If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. With this launch Sunday and with the grandparenting seminar and all the things we have going on in this new class with home builders, we are going to be talking about the family today. We're going to be talking about the home. The title of my message here is Family Matters. And I'm without suspenders if you thought I was going to dress up like Urkel, right? Isn't that Family Matters? Okay. But family does matter. Family matters. And I believe that the Bible makes that very clear. And we're going to walk through this here in chapter 6. Before we begin, I just want to say something. For all you parents that are in the room or those who have parented before, I am with you. This is not me telling you how you should do this, okay? I'm trying to take God's word and just present it to all of us, myself included, and I'm going, okay, Russ, there's things that you need to apply into your own life, okay? And if I preach a message like this, I'll tell you what, there's accountability in that in the Weller home. I can tell you that right now. And so I hope there's accountability for you, though, as well is that all of us together desire to lean in and to hear from the Lord and to apply what it is that he's trying to say into our lives and be able to live according to the ways in which he desires us to live. Now, normally, before we start reading, I pray. But I want to start with just the, the first few verses, and then we're going to pray. And you'll see why I'm going to do that this way this week. And so Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 1, would you read with me? As I walk through this here, it says, These are the commands, the decrees and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Now listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. I believe there's a bit of a foundation here that's laid, that's given. As Moses brings this word of the Lord to the Israelites, I think it's relevant for us here today in 2021. And I think there's a foundation here in the first three verses, and the foundation is this. Folks, listen up, because number one, God is speaking. How many of you believe that this is God's word, and he speaks through his word? Folks, we've got a little bit of an emergency situation with one of our families in our congregation. So we're just going to stop the message right now. I cannot give you details on what this situation is, but it involves a family here in our congregation. And so we are just going to take time right now to pray. Okay, so would you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Heavenly Father, right now we come before you. And you know this situation, you know this need, you know this family. And, Lord, we are asking for you to move upon this situation. 
Lord, be with everybody involved. I pray for protection. I pray for healing. And Lord, that you would move powerfully, do miracles in this situation. Lord, be with everybody that's involved in this family. And, and Lord, we don't know all the details, but we know that you do. And so we lift this to you and we are interceding for them. Lord, please work in their situation. Bring protection, bring healing, bring life. We lift this to you right now. Lord, I pray that your spirit would minister to, to those that are working with this individual, bringing care to this individual. I ask, Lord, that you would minister through them. Be their hands, Lord. Be the divine physician. We lift this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to try to get back into this here. Um, trusting that God is at work with that situation, we're going to continue on here, folks. So I was saying that God still speaks. You guys believe that? God still speaks. And he's saying that here. He says these are the commands and the decrees and the regulations. So God is speaking. And Moses says this is what God has said. He's giving that to the Israelites, and I believe today... God still speaks. He speaks to us through his word and the Holy Spirit, and we receive that. The other thing to note is there's a, a moment here where Moses says we need to fear him, not only you, but your children. And so that's part of the foundation is we understand that God is still speaking today. We want to hear his voice, and we want to fear him. We want to acknowledge him. We want to respect him. There is an awe that we have of him. We realize how great and how big he is and we need him in our life. And I know we walked about we walked through that in the book of James about fearing God and how important that is. That's a part of the foundation here. And the last thing is here is lean in. Lean in and I get that from verse 3 where it says listen closely Israel Listen closely. So we lean in. Okay, God, we know you speak. We fear you. We realize how big you are. And we're going to lean in and we're going to try to listen. We're going we're gonna to receive from you. So with that as the foundation, would you join me in prayer before we read the rest of this passage? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you here desiring to hear from you. You spoke to Moses, to the Israelites, and you still speak to us today through this very passage. Help us, show us how to apply this here in 2021. And we ask for your grace and your blessing upon this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's continue on here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. Here's that word, listen, again. Listen, O Israel. Some translations say, hear, O Israel. And this little section right here is known as the Shema, which means hear. Okay? And the Jews would recite this twice a day. So the, these verses, 4 through 9, these are important verses. Okay? And it says, listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. 
and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and serve him. And when you take an oath, you must only use his name. You must not worship any of the gods of neighboring nations. For the Lord your God who lives among you is a jealous God. His anger will flare up against you and he will wipe you from the face of the earth. You must not test the Lord your God as you did when you complained at Massa. You must diligently obey the commands of the Lord your God, all the laws and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so all will go well with you. Then you will enter and occupy the good land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors. You will drive out all the enemies living in the land, just as the Lord said you would. In the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us today? Then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands that the Lord our God has given us. All right. So let's break down here verses 4 through 9, the Shema. I've got each of the verses listed, and I just want to kind of bullet point what is being said here to the Israelites and what I think we can take from it here today. And the first thing we need to note is the Lord is God. And what we mean by that is He is above all, but we also need to understand some translations say that the Lord is one, and He's three in one. The Trinity, perhaps you've heard of that before. But what makes this unique is that Jesus is God. And there's all kinds of religions out there that might recognize Jesus as a prophet or a good man or they record that he came and he was crucified but he's not actually the Messiah just as we sang here today. But he claimed it. He's God. And so just as Moses gave this to the Israelites, Jesus is included in that very first part of the Shema. The Lord is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The next part about that is he says to love God passionately. So we recognize him as God, above all, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we should love him. And, and why should we love him? The Bible says we love because God first loved us. So how do we know that God loved us? 
Well, we know that because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God the Father sent His Son to be a sin sacrifice. That's how much He loves us. And I want us to, to understand, before we move on to any of those other points, you can't do the next three if you don't have the first two figured out. If God is not number one in your life, and if you don't love Him with a passion, good luck committing yourself to His Word and being diligent to pass the Word on to your children and saturating every area of your life with the Word of God. You need these first two things. Do you love God? Well, part of that is understanding the depths of what He's done for us. We love much because we've been forgiven much. And so a question I would just simply ask us is, how much do you love God? I think that's a good question for all of us to reflect on. There's a lot of things in this life that we can consume ourselves with, that we can get passionate about. The football season is rolling now. We had a whole stadium full of red and yellow and even black attire in the Jack Trice Stadium just passionate about their teams posting away about it on Facebook. We're passionate people. And we all worship something. And God wants that worship. He wants that passion. He desires that. So to have three through five here, you need those first two. He needs to be in the rightful place in your life, and you need to love him passionately. Then you can begin to sort of put these other things into practice. Committing yourself to His Word. Okay, the next thing is to diligently teach the next generation His Word. We teach our kids all kinds of things, don't we? Just yesterday I was teaching Judah how to paint with oil base. Yes. And Mom doesn't know this, but he got paint all over him. <laughs> And we rubbed him down with, he told you? Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Rub him down with paint thinner, give him a bath. He's all good to go, right? But we teach our kids all kinds of things. And the Bible says that we should diligently teach our kids the word. Diligently. I mean, I want my son to have all kinds of life skills. I don't know about any other parents in the room. I want him to have life skills. I want him to be a good human being. I want, to be, I want him to be a gentleman. I want him to say please and thank you. And I can go through all of that. I want him to be a hard worker. I can hit all of those things and miss passing on the word of God to him. And I think I've failed. We want to diligently teach the next generation God's Word. And I've made it next generation because here's, here's reality. Not everybody has kids. And so how can you mentor or invest in somebody's life? How can you diligently teach somebody the Word, whether you're meeting with them and doing some life things together and also showing them, here's who God is. Let's read this together. Or maybe you're teaching in a Sunday school class or, or whatever, but there's an assignment for us, and that's to diligently teach God's word to the next generation. And I don't know about you, but I think we can teach our kids a lot without saying anything. They see it in our actions. You know, when I grew up, I had parents that made a commitment, we're going to church every single week. 
Maybe you had the same upbringing. Maybe you didn't. But that was something that was very important to my family. And even if we were all in a frenzy, and I remember there's this gravel road that goes from Pomeroy to Manson, and we called them weeds because you'd go over them and everybody in the van, wee! You know, we had to get to church and then act like you love each other when you get there, right? I mean, we've all been there, but there's a commitment we make when we go to church. It says something, and I knew that was valuable for my parents. Now, I live in a generation, so I'm owning this. My generation doesn't take that seriously. You know, they think church attendance once, maybe twice a month. That's pretty regular. That's good. And it's like if we're to diligently teach our family what it means to seek the Lord, then we need to be in a body of believers together on a consistent basis where we're worshiping God, we're hearing from His Word, whether that be in Sunday school or in the worship, but we make a commitment to a church body. I sure wish my generation would step up with that. Because it's sad. You know, you just think these things that have been instilled and then it's not being passed. So what does the next generation look like if mom and dad does not put value on that? What is the next generation going to do? Are they not going to see any value in that? The Bible tells us that God established the family he also established the church and he's established the government as institutions of his design. And these are great things. And while governments and churches have significant influence on a society, I believe that the home plays the biggest role, especially when you consider future generations. And the, the deterior, watching the home deteriorate you'll see these other things in society deteriorate as well. And it's important to know that it's the family, not the church or a school or any other institution that is primarily responsible for training their children. And this is especially true when it comes to biblical and spiritual matters. And this is important. Church and even church schools, they only assist in the spiritual training. They don't take it over. And so as a church, we desire to come alongside families to equip them, to, to be able to help them as they train the next generation. And this is where I said we're going to take a moment to promote a couple of things here that, that we're stepping into as a church where we want to help equip. And this first one here is equipping parents. And so, Scott, if you want to come forward, I don't know if you've got anybody else that's joining you, but just a little plug on this home builders class that's starting next Sunday during Sunday School Hour. Um, Jason and Tracy, Mike and Lori, can you come up too? Just to, so this, um, this idea of having a, a, a class for young parents uh, during the Sunday School Hour really came out of a conversation with the children's ministry team, Jeannie uh, and, and Troy. Jeannie's not here, Jane's not here because they're back with the children. Um, and the youth ministry team, just thinking through, there's a lot of our families that, that probably need the support and connecting more than they think they need it. And so we are launching home builders, and it's not home builders like construction contractor people. So if you're, that, that's not what we're going to do. We're not going to build homes um, uh, physically. We are going to um, together learn how better to 
raise our children to know who Jesus is and love him and serve him for the rest of their life. And we need each other to accomplish that. We, we're looking kind of when we talk about uh, young parents, um, I'm probably at the, we're probably at the outer edge of the young parenting, right? You, you're, you young, you're, you're still, you're working hard, you're working hard, yeah, you're all over the place. You're, we're, we're grandparents and still parenting, and that's great, and, and so you're welcome if you're kind of at that stage. Many of you um, here are uh, um, actively parenting. Um, so these are some of the ragtag bunch of imperfect parents that we've assembled to kind of help with uh, this class. Most of us will be there off and on, but um, uh, uh, there's a few other couples that are also, Mark and Terry Samuelson have uh, committed to being there. So very relational. Uh, we will have a lesson. Uh, we will spend time discussing that lesson and making it practical in, in our families. Um, and we'll pray together. And that'll be our Sunday school um, hour. So I hope that uh, uh, for those of you young families, uh, young parents uh, raising kids, we'll, we'll find a, uh, a connecting point. Uh, we're super excited to start that. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Scott. Room 10. Room 10, where you're taking your photos. <laughs> so the other thing to just note, and you guys have your inserts uh, regarding the grandparenting ministry. But on the very front where it says the four types of Christian grandparents, just take note of this verse here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. It says, watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen. And then it says, teach them to your children and to their children that are after them. And so there is an active role that grandparents take in diligently teaching kids. And so with these two ministries in mind, while the church isn't going to be the one that takes over that role of raising your kids, we want to help you. We want to partner with you. We want to equip you in this endeavor to be, help, to be able to help accomplish that. Okay, and the last point here is that we desire to saturate every area of our life with the Word of God. And so you think of all the noise that goes on in our life. How can we tune in more? You know, you think of all the media or things you hear on the radio. What can we do to adjust that? Might just simply be turn it off or, or turn it to something that is giving you the Word of God on a consistent basis. But we saturate every area of our life. And we see that in this particular passage when it talks about writing them on doorposts and tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders it might be kind of goofy for you to put a sticky note with a verse on your forehead and walk around the house I'm just trying to apply Deuteronomy chapter 6 but the point is let's saturate our life with the word if you want take sticky notes and put them around your house with God's word I know there's families that do that but make God's word a priority in your home you know it's hard to saturate your life with the word of God when we are full of all kinds of other things. And you think about our culture here in America, and there's a bit of a, a prosperity issue. Okay, and Moses warned of this. Okay, when you get to that promised land, he says, be careful. He's warning them. And I think here in America, there's a bit of a problem that we have, that, that we've lived in prosperity, and because of that, we've sort of drifted from the things that God would want us to focus on. 
Moses warned the people not to forget God when they entered the promised land and became prosperous. Prosperity more than poverty can dull our spiritual vision because it tends to make us self-sufficient and even eager to acquire more of anything except for God. Now that comes directly from the Life Application Bible. And here's the thing, the same thing can happen in churches. Once a church has become successful in terms of numbers and programs and buildings, they can easily become self-sufficient and less sensitive to their need for God. And I think that's a warning for us here at Faith. I believe God is doing amazing things in this church. But we need to be careful that we, we don't get to a point where we grow and we feel like we don't need God anymore. I mean, He is the source of everything and we need His help. No matter what ministry we're running, whether it's home builders or grandparenting thing or faith club or Ignite, any of that, we're just desperately needing God to move upon all of these things. We need Him. And without Him, it's not ministry. It's just chaos. It's noise. It's busy. But we need Him. It's important that we, we realize that. Well, in Deuteronomy 6, 14 through 19, there's a few more things here that I'll emphasize. The first, in verse 14, we worship God alone. This is a part of the Ten Commandments. I mean, you can just see this right out the beginning. We worship Him alone. And the very first part of the Shema said the same thing. The other thing is we should desire, or God desires our worship. Not only do we want to passionately love Him, but He desires our worship. In fact, the Scriptures say God is a jealous God. And what's interesting, there is a bit of a difference between us and those Israelites, and that He talks about His anger, but we need to understand that Jesus took that wrath to set us free. But I also want to be careful that we understand that God is still serious about our worship. He's very serious. And we ought to live with gratitude. He talks about this complaining that was going on. And part of the complaining process, when you lack gratitude, here's one thing that you really lack, and that's contentment. And so let us be people who are in content and, and people who have gratitude. We live with gratitude. Just as we diligently teach God's word to the next generation, we ought to diligently obey his word. And we ought to do right and do good and then live victoriously. Moses talks about going into this land and, and defeating your enemy. Well, all of us have an enemy. It's Satan and it's demons and they desire to, to destroy your life. And God sent his son Jesus, and Jesus flat out said, I have come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. So let's live victoriously. And here's the thing. If we walk in God's ways, there's something that just happens. Okay? If you do what God says, you're going to have favor in your life. If you make the right choices, there's a blessing that comes with that. This isn't just a prosperity gospel thing that I'm throwing out. If you just do the right thing, God's going to fill your wallet and you're going to have all the money you could ever dream of. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying you make the right decisions and there will be favor on your life. And he says that in verse 3 and verse 18. He says, if you do these things, 
all will go well with you. All will go well. And I can think of a season in my life where I was not seeking the Lord. And you just think all these things that seemed like they were falling to pieces. Things weren't going well. Well, it's like let's get our life centered on what it needs to be centered on. And then watch how God just brings a favor into your life and things begin to go well. Not saying your life isn't going to have bumps and difficulties and hardships. But there is a blessing when we walk in obedience to God. And so one thing I think is interesting, and I'm, I'm at a stage in my parenting where Judah is so young we don't get a lot of this. I mean, every now and then we do, and it's kind of funny because he's processing. But he'll ask questions, like, why do we do this? And then we try to explain it in a way that he'll understand, which then probably leads to more questions. How many parents can relate to that, okay? But one of the things I think is really cool is I think God gives us ministry moments in our families. Whether you're a parent or you're a grandparent, that child will open up their mouth and begin to ask questions about God. And I think those are some of the coolest moments where we can plant seeds. Those are ministry moments. And, and Moses says to the Israelites, your children will ask you why you do these things. And then you must tell them. And then he walks them through this journey out of Egypt and into the promised land. And I want us to think about that as believers. God has led you out of your life of sin and led you into a life of freedom. And he's redeemed you. And you have a testimony to share with the next generation. I just think that's powerful. Your children will ask you and you must tell them. There's opportunities in that. And those are awesome when they come along. Okay, but the reality with all of this is sometimes there's children who just don't ask those questions. Okay, they really don't care about God or the God that you serve. And it can break your heart as a parent. Or perhaps you can think about your own childhood and you didn't have parents that were trying to teach you God's word. They didn't even go to church. I mean... Maybe there's a broken relationship between you and your child. I mean, all of those scenarios can be at play here. And that's why we just need to think of one word here when it comes to all these different situations, and it's grace. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the grace of God. Times when I've screwed up or when other people have screwed up, right? And God's grace helps us to navigate those things. And just because maybe your child is not in a good relationship with you now, that does not mean that ministry is over. God can redeem anything. And so at that point, you just take that situation, you say, okay, God, well, I'm going to do my best to honor you and to pray for this child or grandchild. And I'm going to leave this with you, and I'm going to ask for your grace to navigate this. I'm going to ask for healing over the relationship. But the Shema starts with, Hear, O Lord. And I think it's a, a really neat statement here by Max Licato in regards to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, talking about hearing. And he says, It's not that we don't have ears, it's that we don't know how to use them. And so the Bible's saying, Hear. And the Scriptures has always placed a premium on hearing God's voice. Indeed, the great command from God through Moses began here in Deuteronomy 6. And then in Nehemiah and his men, they were commanded, or they were commended because they had listened attentively 
to the book of the law. And in Proverbs 8, 34, the Bible says, Blessed are those who listen to me. And then Jesus comes along and he says, My sheep hear my voice. And so he speaks. And each of the seven chapters, or each of the seven churches, excuse me, that are listed in Revelation are addressed in the same manner by saying, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So in Psalm 78, the Bible starts out by saying, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying. So we all open our ears. We desire to lean in. And it says, For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths From our children, we will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So in verse 7, it says, Each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. You see, in Psalm 78, you see this torch being passed from generation to generation. And I think it's important to realize that family matters. And our culture, our society is trying to deconstruct what the home looks like and how kids are raised. And you think how that is just going to cause a snowball effect in our culture. It's like now more than ever it's important for believers and their household to know where the stake is in the ground. And Joshua asked this very question. In Joshua 24, 14 through 15, he says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, he says, Choose this day whom you're going to serve. You have to make that decision. If your house doesn't have any kids in it, You still need to choose where your house stands. And he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We all have to make that decision, that determination. What does our household look like? That's what I'm responsible for. When I stand before the Lord, I'm responsible for my home. And what I've done as a father... And as a husband. And I think all of us need to understand that we're all accountable. And we want to live in a way that not only pleases God, but guys also passes the blessings that we know about. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste something good, you tell somebody about it. Am I right? Oh, that was good. Just last night, Joanne Julius. 
these little cheesecake things, yes, okay? And I'm like, go try some of those, or maybe don't, because then there'll be more for me when this is all over with. But we pass it on, and the same thing goes for us to our children and to their children. We know the goodness of God, and we want them to experience these same things. And so we're diligent about teaching them the ways of the Lord. And so as we get ready here to close in prayer, I just want to guide us in recognizing at the very end of Psalm 78, it talks about people who are refusing to give their hearts to God. And one of the first steps in the Shema was that we recognize that God is above all and that we should love him passionately. In order to love him passionately, we have to give him our heart. Have you given him your heart? Is that where your heart is, is with him? And as you think about that, we're going to lead you in a prayer to make sure that your heart is in a right place with God. But the other thing for all of us to apply in our life is that very statement from Joshua 24. Where does your house stand? In the commitment to the word and passing these on to future generations and saturating your home with God's word. Where is your house at when it comes to these things? And so we desire to lean in together as a family of God to what it is that he's saying to us. And so would you please bow your heads with me as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you that you speak. And Lord, it's in reverence and awe of you that we lean in. We want to hear from you. And Lord, as we've walked through this chapter today, I pray that you'd be speaking powerfully to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that the homes that are connected here to faith would be homes that are vibrant, that your word is filling these homes, filling these lives, that it's being applied, that there's a fear of you, a desire to walk in obedience to you. I pray, Lord, that sometimes there's a feeling of falling short in this area. I know that's for me, preparing this, I think I've got a long ways to go. But, Lord, that's where grace comes in. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, by your grace. Help us in these areas. Stir in our hearts first. And then, Lord, lead us in these lives that are committed to your word, passing your word on to the next generation, and saturating our lives with your word. Lord, if there's somebody listening right now that has yet to give their heart to God, please understand and know that a heart that is not right with God will not get to spend eternity with Him. And God wants to spend eternity with you. He wants a relationship with you so bad that He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the penalty and the price for your sin. And on that cross, he paid that penalty and price. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he rose in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he has conquered sin and death. And he brings victory for anyone who would desire to receive him. 
And if that's you this morning, I invite you to pray with me to receive him today. Say, Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I ask that you'd make me a new person. Cleanse me and make me new. Come and live in my heart. And help me to walk in faith and obedience to you. And understanding, Lord, that I want to love you with great passion. Help me to do this. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And Lord, for all of us who are listening to this message right now, may our homes be homes that serve the Lord. Help us to make you a priority. And we thank you for this now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.